This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Facing Fate, Season 2, Shadows, Episode 1, Premonitions. We see a big sign off the side of the main road. Pier 35. Mahira, you have been following your brother, Raja, more regularly recently. Usually, you spend a lot of time at home, trying to reconnect with your niece. But something switched inside of you that gave you reason to start following him. Maybe something you noticed. I think that I noticed that... Uh, He still lives uh, at home with our parents, and he started acting really strangely. I, like, spend a lot of time still at home and watching the family, and he was staying out late at night and coming home late and going outside to take weird phone calls, and that's just not what he had been like or not how I ever knew him. He was always my, like, very responsible doesn't break the rules, brother. And it's weird that he's acting kind of shady. One particular night, you've noticed a peculiar string of events that started with a phone call, led him to become very agitated to the point where he was short with your parents, yelled at them, stormed from the house, and drove off in a hurry. You followed him, and that's where you are now. Pier 35. You see him pull up to, there's a main warehouse, an offloading warehouse. He pulls up, there's a couple cars kind of in vicinity. He gets out, and he goes into the main door, and closes it quickly behind him. I am going to follow him. You 
move up to the wall near where the door is, and you phase through the door and into this warehouse. It's dimly lit. There's a couple pot lights further in. You hear the footsteps of Raja as he walks further into this warehouse. You pursue behind him, keeping your distance, and he gets underneath one of these lights, and stepping in from the shadows, you see three men. They're pale-faced. One who appears to be the leader is wearing this long black leather jacket. The other two dressed more thug-like, black leather gloves, brown overcoats. They look like they're there to protect this one man. You can kind of hear them begin talking as you approach. I think because I have been in this form for a while now, I have learned my parameters and I can basically be right up on them. And if I don't want them to know that I am there, they are not going to know that I am there. So, um, yeah, I'm going to just go join the uh, join the conversation circle. Um, I imagine you you float behind, but where you can still see Raja's face in this conversation. Yeah, so I assume if Raja and, like, the leader are kind of talking and the other two guys are kind of back a little behind him, like, circling him, sort of, I would kind of take a position in that sort of outer ring as well so I could see Raja and the guy he's talking to. You hear uh, the leader say, Hey, Raja, it's uh, been too long, my friend. Uh, look, Otis... I've been very busy, you know, family, work, keeping things down. I just, it slipped my mind, okay? It slipped my mind. It slipped my mind to come see you. And the leader stops and he stares. And you see his eyes flash a deep red. He smiles and his canines are sharp fangs. Raja, you owe us big time. Now, we wouldn't want something to happen to any more of your family now, would we? You see Raja begin to shake at that. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll get the location. I'll get it. It just takes time, you know? I'll prioritize a little bit better. Time is running out, Raja. The Fae are coming, and that will be bad for everyone. And as the conversation hangs, the leader Otis kind of sniffs the air and says, were you followed? No. No. Followed? No. I made sure to double check, just like you showed me. I look over my shoulder, I take a couple back streets, you know, turn back. No way I could have been followed. And Otis turns and looks in your direction, Mahira. It's like he's looking right at you. Interesting. Go, Raja. Find the location. You've got two knights. Raja stumbles backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. No, no problem, boss. Uh, I'll, uh, uh, I'll get that all uh, uh, squared away. Backs away from them until he's out of the circle that the two other muscle have created and runs off into the car. 
I think I'm a bit stunned because a couple things have just happened. One, it sounds like something happened to me because of something Raja's involved with. And also, it seems like this guy knows that I'm there and I have not experienced that before. So, um, this is a lot of change for a person who has not had a lot of change in a couple years since I died. Do you follow Raja or do you hang out there for any period of time? I sort of want to see. I'm not afraid. Already dead. So I sort of want to see if this guy interacts with me anymore. And also, I mean, Raja's just going back to our folks' place in Leslieville, probably, so I can always track him down. You hang out for a moment, and Otis, his gaze doesn't leave your location. You don't get a sense that he sees you directly, but perhaps that he senses you. And then he calls and says, Boys, go start the car. Still locking eyes on your location, he takes a few steps forward, almost to the point where he's passing through you. And you feel a cold shiver run through you. And he whispers so softly that you can barely hear it. It's not nice to spy on others. And he turns and he walks towards the black Cadillac behind him. The sun is shining in through a crack in the well-put-together apartment of Dayun. She's just waking up, getting ready for the day. What does Dayun do first thing in the morning? Dayun kind of springs out of bed. She is not a person who takes a long time to get up. She is almost never groggy. As soon as she's awake, she's awake. And she springs out of bed, makes her bed immediately, fluffs her pillows, goes, brushes her teeth, essentially just kind of gets herself together, but takes an extraordinarily long time to get dressed as her closet is <laughs> is vast and expansive. It is probably half the size of her apartment, and she has a lot of outfits. After you decide on one of those outfits, you check yourself in the mirror, you head out into the day. You head down the staircase. It's oddly quiet for the morning. Usually people are up and going at this point, but you don't hear many people. You get to the lobby of your apartment complex and open the front doors, getting ready to head to your favorite coffee shop. You step out into the streets, and the streets are empty. I look at my watch. What time is it? You look to your clock. 8.06. What day of the week is it? It's a Tuesday. It's Tuesday, downtown Toronto. She kind of looks around a little suspiciously. 
thinks it's a bit eerie, but shrugs and continues on to her, to her favorite Java spot, called the Java spot. You shrug off the fact that the streets are empty. It's not just that they're empty, it's that you don't see people moving anywhere in any buildings. Cars are parked, windows are drawn, and you get to the front door of the Java spot, and you don't see anybody inside. I do that thing where I press my face up against the glass and cover my eyes and try to look within. As soon as you make contact with the Java spot, the air and light around you begins to flash in and out to a dark, dark black. Oh, no. No, 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 no. And you are in the middle of the Fay Court. Hi. No one seems to respond to you. You look around and you see that the, the risers are full with people. The heads of the court are in a circle surrounding you, none of them directly looking at you or acknowledging you when you say hi. You hear a low murmur as if they're talking to each other and you're just overhearing them through glass. Hmm. If I could, maybe, if I could just, um, if I could just... Is there, can I talk? Is there... And I, I put my hand out to see if I'm in some sort of, like, glass box or bubble. You put your hand out, and there's nothing, there's no barrier, there's no cone of anything. In fact, you're even able to take several steps in any direction. And as you get closer to the heads of the Fay Court, the, the words that they're saying kind of become clearer, and they fade in and out. And you begin to pick up on specific phrases. The lords and ladies of the Fay Court are gathered here, and they begin talking, or have been talking, about a strike on Earth. You hear the phrase, at the peak of the seventh moon. You hear, as the conversation continues, one of the leaders stand up in almost a huff and scream something about opposition waiting for them and another woman standing up yelling back it doesn't matter we are more prepared than they who 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 is they and you find yourself standing back in the java spot and your friend ren waving at you because you're holding up the line there's a disgruntled clearing of a throat behind you, like, <clears throat> get moving. Oh. Don't you, don't you, just, come on. Get, I, it's your turn. Um, I look around, just like, I, I, I just kind of scurry up to her. You okay? No. Oh, the strangest thing just happened to me. I was alone. And then I wasn't even here. And then... I learned a whole bunch of things I don't even know about. Uh, so, the usual? Yeah, thanks. 
Reynolds, you're at home scrambling to get out to work. Describe for us this frantic state that you are in. There is a lot going on in Reynolds' small apartment. There's a pan that he cooked some bacon in and didn't have time for it to cool and wipe up all the grease. So it's just going to sit there till he's home from work. There's a coffee pot that's a little bit overflowing as he filled up too much water. It's just a rush morning. He's busy getting everything together. He's got to go to work. Threw his best suit on, which admittedly is not much of a statement. You're rushing about and you pour your coffee, burn yourself a little bit as it's overflowing and splashes back onto your hand. Wolf down the rest of your breakfast and go to head out the door. You open the door and as you open it, the floor in front of you disappears. Or rather, falls away. Your apartment is almost like it's lifting up into space. Reynolds kind of hangs on to the doorknob for a little bit of uh, steadiness and just says, like, it's too fucking early for this. You feel the pressure begin to pull you down to the ground. You're bracing yourself just as fast as you left this location. Your apartment drops down hard to the ground. You're thrown to the ground and you you fall and crumple on yourself. Dust and debris is tossed up into the air. I'm already late for work. Let's speed this up. Hello, I know you're there. You stand up and kind of brush yourself off and the dust settles and you hear sounds of an altercation happening out beyond and into the street that you now see. You hear gunfire, yelling, running, screaming. I survey the scene. Is anyone hurt? You see several people who look like they're wounded. Several people and others who don't appear to be entirely human. You see... Those individuals, they look humanoid, but something about them is alien to you. You see vampires, werewolves on one side, and you see these others on the other. Humans alike running and screaming in terror. You look up, and it's daytime still. And you know from your dealings with anyone who's heard of anything that they, for necessity or otherwise, avoid showing themselves in day. As the battle wages on in front of you, you see off in the distance an enormous flash of light. It lingers for a second, and then you are hit by a blast wave that throws you backwards and into your apartment, blasting you back against the far wall. You land on your back and the door shuts behind you. You rest for a moment. Your disheveled apartment, a little more disheveled now, 
and you hear the sound of traffic and birds coming in through the windows. Sounds like a peaceful morning to start your day. Shit. Facing Fate, Season 2, Shadows, Episode 1, Premonitions, with your Game Master Russ Moore, and players Amy Moore, Carla Maxted, and Tom Laird. Production and sound design by Russ Moore. Theme music by Eli McElveen. All other music and sound effects can be found at epidemicsound.com and boomlibrary.com. Game played is Urban Shadows by Magpie Games. Find out more at magpiegames.com. A huge thank you to our supporting producers, Christian Brown, Creighton's Raven, Devin Michaels, Gabriel Lynch, Jacob Madden, Joshua Dixon, Cat Waterflame, and Stevie. We hope you enjoyed Season 2, Episode 1. Patrons of Dumb Dragons Productions will receive early access to the rest of Season 2, which will be publicly available in September of 2020. Join today for $5 a month to receive early access at patreon.com slash dumbdragoncast. Thank you, and we'll be talking to you soon. Dungeons & Dragons is a Dumb Dragons production. The Fable & Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. I'm Jonathan Pezza, the creator of the Curious Matter Anthology. And I'm betting you've probably never heard anything like our show. adapt stories from authors like Philip K. Dick, Andre Norton, and Robert Block into binaural audio movies that transport you to new worlds. That's it? You're banned for life? Between you Braxians, please. Seriously. I told you downtown was a bad idea. In our brand new season, we explore farther into the what-ifs. You think, in these instances, that somehow simply by believing things are different, they changed. Doubt. I don't follow. I doubt something, and um, they don't change, per se. They cease to ever have been. We delve deeper into the realms of horror and science fiction. Nerves of steel, boys. James, sir, please, there's no need for this. I do not believe that whatever that is can understand you. Robert, I know you are in there somewhere. If you are, we are... I made it through the barrier! It's gonna hold me! It's dragging him out! Sam! Beast! Just get to my knife! Well, that's new. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. So sit back, grab your popcorn, and listen to the Curious Matter Anthology today.